Welcome to Orchard UMC's podcast. At Orchard, we endeavor to live into our mission of transforming the world by growing in faith, serving others, and sharing Jesus. This morning's scripture reading comes from the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. I am grateful to God whom I worship with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did, when I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I had to learn that in fifth grade. My Sunday school teacher was Nani, my grandmother. (laughs) And um, I was given no slack as the granddaughter, She had this whole prize system. If you memorize this or that or the other thing, then you could get a prize. And the prize was made, the prize basket was made up of things from her bottom drawer. I don't know if any of you have a bottom drawer or your grandmother had a bottom drawer, but it was basically things that people had given her that she didn't want. (laughs) And so for memorizing the 23rd Psalm, I got a bar of soap. (laughs) It was smelly and pretty. And all of that work, a bar of soap. As a fifth grader, I was really excited about it. (laughs) But what I didn't know in the memorizing of the 23rd Psalm is that it would be with me my whole life. I didn't know that I would recite it at the bedside of people or even with people. Uh, when they were dying, how many times we would read it together in funerals, services, or what a source of comfort it would be for me just to be able to recite in my dark times. (laughs) Who knew what Nani was doing? Maybe she did. Today we celebrate All Saints Day. It's a day we remember and give thanks for those who've died this year. At the same time, we recall in our hearts those who've gone before at any point. We give thanks for the life and the faith that they led, for their example, for their love, and we acknowledge that we as individuals and the church 
are better because of them. They weren't perfect. We don't need them to be. In fact, we need them to have shown us that it's okay to mess up, to show us what trust and faith look like. We needed them to share themselves with us. And now their memory lives in us and is a part of us. Now, in the past, we've always celebrated All Saints Day on All Saints Day, right? The Sunday, first Sunday of November, going along with the church calendar. And I know that not everybody has loved this change. But this is why I did it. When we celebrate an All Saints Day, it's, it's wonderful. But we don't celebrate the whole year of people. And by celebrating at the beginning of January, we remember and we allow the past and those who have shaped it to propel us into the new year, that their legacy goes with us into the new year and reminds us that God goes with us as they light the way for us. I once heard of saints referred to as um, nightlights, right? That they are the ones who shine in the darkness and show us the way. And I believe that that's what they do for us this new year. So, as they light the way for us, um, you might remember that throughout Advent I quoted uh, Nadia Bowles-Weber from her book called Accidental Saints. It's a book that I read this summer and um, really had a positive impact on me. I was attracted to the book because of the title, this idea of accidental saints, that um, no one really goes throughout their life thinking, I'm going to be a saint, right? But they accidentally, through the way that they treat us, through the things that they do, through the faith that they have, become our saints. Nadia says, in the church, we do the very odd thing of proclaiming that the dead are still part of us, a part of our lives, and are even an animating presence in the church. St. Paul describes the saints as a great cloud of witnesses, so when they have passed, we still hold them up, hoping perhaps that their virtues, their ability to have faith in God in the face of an oppressive empire or a failing crop or the blight of cancer might become our own virtue, our own strength. The saints are still a part of us. They always will be a part of the fabric of this building, of this church, and of us as individuals. We are still and always informed by their legacy, their faith, the way they shared their gifts. Now, I never caught it before. I've read the scripture that Deanna read earlier many times, often in preparation for All Saints Day. Paul is writing to Timothy and giving thanks for him and for his faith, a faith that first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now, I am sure, lives in you. It first lived in them and now lives in you. Now, I don't know why I missed it. I'd always sort of heard it as they pass their faith down. I never heard it before as living that a living faith that lived in them now lives in you. In his letter to Timothy, Paul is saying that faith is a living thing that's passed down from one to another. Now, I don't know about you. I like to think about the things that I've gotten from uh, my family, right? I have my mother's eyes and my dad's mouth. 
and my grandfather's love of family and my grandmother's gift of hospitality. I like to think about how my kids are like me or Mike and what of me is in each of them for better or worse. And Paul reminds us that faith is also one of the gifts that we receive and pass on. It's a living thing. Do you think about that? Whose faith lives in you? And how are you passing on your living faith? I never thought about my faith living in someone else. Oh, I sure hope that it's a faith that shows them that God's grace is enough, that they are beloved, that they can find their strength in Christ, a faith in Christian community that lifts us up and encourages us to be disciples. This is the faith that lives in me and was given to me by my parents and grandparents. It first lived in them, but also it began in other people. As a child, the people in the church who befriended me, right? Isabel Williams, who was in her 80s and decided that she was going to be my friend and she would check in and talk to me and make me feel valued. Marilyn Hanton, who would always send me notes and remind me that I was important. John Stewart, who asked me questions and posed theological questions to me as a teenager and wanted to know what I thought. And Wayne Hartman, who taught me that it was okay for me to ask questions, that it didn't mean that I wasn't a person of faith. As an adult, there were saints like Mary Rickman, who, when I was her pastor, told me that she had heard of my depression when I was in high school and had prayed for me back then. And Myrtle Knitz, who prayed for me constantly in my ministry at Britain Grace. She was no longer able to come to church, but she prayed for me. And every time I visited her, I would pray for her, and she would close by praying for me. And she prayed for Allison every day when she was afraid of the sanctuary <laughs> and hopeful, hoped and prayed and asked me about her. And then there were Dick and Linda Pitt at Clarkston, and they kind of adopted me. Linda was the daughter of a clergyman, and, and she would share his old books with me and send me notes and um, just check in with me and shower love on me. And none of them sent out to be saints, but they took interest in me and prayed for me and helped me to realize my value as a child of God. This is what we do as a church. And it's why we work hard to develop relationships with one another. And part of why I love serving an intergenerational church, it's why we do things like wear name tags and have Bible buddies and confirmation journey companions. It's why we participate in Bible study and small group. Because when, and it's why we work alongside one another serving others. Because everyone here has something to give and all can share our living faith. Our faith becomes stronger when we share it and others' faith becomes stronger when we share it. I mean, who knows? Maybe your living faith is now living in me and mine is living in you because of what you've taught me about the love of Christ and what I've shared with you about God's grace. Who are the saints in your life? 
whose faith lives in you. Think about that for a minute. Today, the names we read are made up of church members who are surrogate parents to members of the congregation, of many money men who served Orchard and the larger church, mothers and grandfathers, fathers and grandfathers, Sunday school teachers, a young man who died too soon, who sought to make life purposeful, parents who died too soon. Within that group were faithful people, one who served in a a clothing closet regularly, and another who simply participated in the life of the church by coming and serving and giving. Their faith now lives in us. It's an incredible gift, and I wonder how will you accept it? How will you rekindle it? How will you let their faith be lived out in your life? How will you nurture it and expand it and pass it on so that it lives in others? This is a new year, and there's much going on in the world. We face split in the United Methodist Church, and we are on the brink of war as a country. But it's also a year that can be marked by faith, a faith that lives in us, a faith that demonstrates love for God and God's people, a year of hope because of the legacy of faith we have received. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you have been enriched by the word proclaimed. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line at ministry at orchardumc.org. You can find out more about Orchard by going to our website at www.orchardumc.org.